All episodes of the Garage Build podcast are recorded live in the Law Fran studios. The law offices of Fran Hosh, Palm Harbor, Florida. Call 1-866-LAW-FRAN or go to lawfran.com. The law offices of Fran Hosh, serving the Tampa Bay biker community for over 20 years. Here we are, Garageville Podcast. As always, I'm your host with the most, Mr. Jason Hallman. Hey, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Arlen Ness Motorcycle. Save 10% and receive free shipping in the lower 48 when you use the sales code Garageville10 on all orders at ArlenNess.com. We are also brought to you by Bell Helmets USA. Follow at Bell Helmets underscore power to see the latest in helmet design and safety. See your local Bell Helmets dealer to order your new Bell Helmet today. Electric lighting features top shelf LEDs backed by a 30 year industry leading manufacturing and the best warranty in the market. Use the sales code SPEED2022 for free shipping in the USA 48 on all orders over $50 at namscustomcycleproducts.com. We are also brought to you, as always, from 1620 Workwear, premium made-in-the-USA workwear guaranteed for life. Visit 1620USA.com and use our discount code SPEED2022, and you're going to save 20% at checkout. Also, make sure you're following at 1620USA on Instagram. Hey, this November, October, we're going on the High Seas Rally. Join us as 3,500 crazies get on one cruise ship for four Caribbean ports and follow the High Seas Rally on Instagram. When you book your cabin using the code SPEEDMETAL, you're going to save 100 bucks on your cabin price. And as always, we're also brought to you by John Jessup's Dream Rides in Maryville, Tennessee. It is that area's top independent V-twin shop. They specialize in performance engine upgrades, used bike sales, service, maintenance, and repair. They're minutes from the tail of the dragon. Visit TeamDreamRides.com on Instagram to check their used motorcycle inventory. This episode of the podcast, I'm featuring Trigger City Chop Shops, Ricky HD. And uh, we're going to sit down and chop it up and find out about, he's a painter, he's an artist. I see him uh, playing guitar on his Instagram posts. So without further ado, I'm going to open the garage and get this thing out on the street. Listening to the Garage Build podcast with your host, Jason Holman. What do you think, huh? <laughs> you know, I went to school for to be a radio disc jockey, and I did that for like a minute. And my mom and dad, I moved back home, and they were pissed. And so now I do this, and my mom's like, "At least I get some kind of use out of that that money that I spent." So. <laughs> Uh, welcome for coming over, man. I appreciate you very much. Cheers. Good to uh, good to finally meet you. Uh, followed you for a while on Instagram. I got to say, you're uh, for a while there. I was like, okay, this dude seems pretty aggro. Like you're pretty serious about what you say. And then you did this post a couple weeks ago where you had like a wig on. and You're like, babe, um, you know, there's more parts out here. I was like, okay, this guy's got a good sense of humor. And you and I have a, a mutual friend uh, ex over here that lives here in Lakeland. So when he was here a couple weeks ago, I was like, hey, man. You're tight with that dude, right? Find out if he wants to be on the podcast. Yeah. 
So the name of your shop is Trigger City Chop Shop, and you're you're in Tampa proper. Yes. Um. There you go. How about now? There you go. Boom. Boom. Got it. It's funny when you push the right buttons, everything works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, it's in Tampa proper right now. I'm looking for something like your shop. Yeah. Just because I need paint booths and I need everything else because I never when I first started this thing I never thought it would be anything just me working on the homies bikes right and now it's turned into something completely different so trying to find real estate right now in this market is insane especially down here right yeah it's ridiculous so the, the god there's you're gonna go right into being a painter so i you know and the, the people that the longtime listeners of the podcast know that I, I always clown on that because the painters that i dealt with they're usually i always say a painter you always judge a painter based on the second paint job they bring to you not the first like you know i mean i my experience has been like the first time they, they come in and they're like hey bro like i paint bikes and this is some examples of what i have do you have anything and you give them something and you kind of turn them loose on it tell them kind of what you want whatever and they work the deal with the the budget and that and then it's like fuck the first one's fucking they knock it out of the park and the second one it's like gets a little bit worse a little bit worse a little bit worse but you don't come off as a fucking screwball at all so I, I find that a lot of painters i think it's the fucking fumes or something yeah definitely the fumes but no I, I i don't consider myself a banner i'm just a dude that fucking does shit because i can't find anybody else worth it to do it so i'll just be like you know what if he can do it i can do it and i'll just start learning how to do something so I'm just a dude that does stuff. Yeah, and that's a slippery slope, right? Like there's a lot of things that, you know, there's people out there that know how to do certain things that, right. that you know, like uh, there's certain professions that you have to have a degree. You, have, you know, if you're gonna be a fucking doctor, mm -hmm. you, you gotta go to medical school, right? Right. But there's not like this place where, in and I'm, I have a I have a point here. Like, if you you know if you've gone to the doctor, you see the credit. You know they leave you here in the, in the fucking gown. They go out in the other room. I don't know what they're doing, but you look on the wall and it's like you see where their degrees from and you see their credentials, right? And there's these things on the wall that you know thank you for this and whatever and in these achievements. But our industry doesn't have any standard of excellence. It's like it's it's got to be policed by us. It's got to be, you know, when I got into this business twenty years ago. I went to the local shop and I was like, Hey, my name's Jason. You know, I want to be in the business. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. This is, you know, am I, is everything cool? And the dudes that were, that were old school, I mean, you know, old school bikers, you know, they were, as long as you're doing it right, we're not gonna have a problem with you. As long as you're not fucking people over, we're not gonna have a problem with you. As long as you're not breaking people's bikes, we're not gonna have a problem with you. So there's like this policing that has to happen. And I don't feel like that happens, uh, with painters, you know what I mean? There's like, there's this, and I don't know, maybe it's a fucking Florida thing. No, it's, it's across the board. It's, it, there is no policing cause there's no standard, right? Cause a lot of painters, they consider themselves artists and they're like, well, it's, it's up to interpretation. I like it. Well, it, it that doesn't mean that everybody else is going to like it, you know, or no. stick to your work ethic. And that's what it really comes down to is a lot of guys that get complacent and they're like, well, I did a good paint job. So this now I'm, I'm going to always have his business. So I'm just going to fucking shit whatever I can. That's not the right attitude to have because that's your mark. You're leaving a piece of you, your name on something. It should be the fucking to the nines every single time you touch any kind of paint. Right. That's my opinion. No. And, and th so that's why when you go through like your Instagram feed, you can see the stuff that you've done, the progression of your work, like helmets. That's a tough thing to paint and do a good job on it because it, you don't have a lot of real estate there. People right. think, oh, it's a whole fucking helmet. You could do all kinds of stuff, you know? And then you look at guys like Jace, you look at guys that, that, uh, that Poland guy and the, the guys that are known for like doing helmets and you're like, holy shit, like 
there's a lot of work there. Like I've been, Jason and I are friends and I've, I've been to his studio and I've watched him work and he's got like this little area next to his podcast studio where he sits down and just like zens out and gets into his work and it's like well lit, well equipped. There's not room for anybody else to be there. So there's nobody fucking distracting him, right? And he can do this stuff. And so painting is amazing to me because you're one part artist, one part chemist, one part mechanic, and you also have to understand the space that you're using because you can put flames, bitching flames on something, but if they're under the fucking tank, it's not going to work, right? Right. Or if the lettering's too big or if the shading's fucking wrong. So uh, I learned a long time ago that, and, you know, I don't know how, how you govern yourself, but I learned a long time ago, you have to be willing to throw away some of your work if it's, you know what I mean? 100%. 110%. I throw away... So I never had anybody teach me how to paint, right? I decided probably about two and a half months ago, I'm going to learn how to fucking paint. So hit up my boy, Adam, up with uh, Time Warp Customs. Right. Hit him up. He gave me some pointers. He's like, look, dude, check it out. Here's some things you need to do. He sent me a bunch of packages shit, sent me a bunch of pointers, and he said go. So I did it. And I would say I've wasted so much shit trying to learn because here in Florida, we have humidity. Yeah. We have... Uh, the temperature changes. I didn't know the difference between what a medium and a, and a fast and fucking slow hardener is and what temperatures they were. So it was a constant learning curve. But I'm glad that I didn't have anybody to show me or tell me. I learned it on my own because now I can take that, put it in the toolbox, and be like, all right, never doing that again. Check that off to the, and fucking just scrap it. The good thing about painting versus like working on somebody's bike is if you fuck up a fucking, you know, you don't clock the pistons right, you blow the motor. Yeah. There's no redoing it. Whereas a paint job, I can tear it back down, redo it, and then it, we're we're golden. Yeah, one of my one of my close friends. It's funny, like I, I talk about painters all the time, and I have a very close friend that was a painter of mine for a long time, and we just we don't do stuff together very much anymore because I didn't feel uh, that he was treating it with the same reverence that I do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I'm like, you just went through my whole shop. I, I watch you from front to back. And right now we've, you know, we've got some, some demo going on here and with some growth over here. We're always kind of growing and moving and stuff, but there's a lot of moving parts here, but the bikes that go out the, out the back door have to be, I just have like this standard mm-hmm. and, and you know, that one bike that's on the hoist, it's been there for, you know, for three years for the, all those different reasons. I don't care if it takes another two because it's not leaving until it's the way I want to fucking do it. Right. I mean, that's what that guy paid for. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that's the thing that I think people lose. And and I'm 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 excited to hear about what your position is on this because you when you come to me and want me to build your bike, it's you have to go through the experience that I'm going to provide to you, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it doesn't go the way you fucking want it to go. And I tell everybody when they make the deposit, I'm like, okay, I'm building a bike for you now. At some point in time, you and I are going to be crossed up. Right. And we'll work it out at the end, but it's going to be right, you know? 100%. I think that's what the part of the, what you're paying for. You are. You're paying. Well, I agree with you. And that's, that's something that's lost between people that a lot of guys that want you to build a custom bike, they got a lot of money. So they're used to people doing whatever the fuck they tell them to do. But when you're going to a bike builder or somebody that's that knows what they're doing, they could give a fuck less about your money. It's about the product that they're going to see that has your name on it. Yeah. They don't get that. They're like, I want it like this. Well, you're going to get it how I give it to you, or you don't have to go through me at all. Yeah, or you could do it yourself because, yeah. you know, because that's the other thing I hear all the time is like people see what happens on, on the Discovery Channel or what happened on the Discovery Channel, right? And then they equate that to, well, 
fuck, they did it in a month or they did it in, it's like, no, that's not, that's not how it fucking works, man. Like right now you can't even get parts in a month. Right. Right. So, you know, you have, and then people stop and start and stop and start. And I'm, I'm going to a policy of, um, on bike builds. Like I'm booked right now through, through January Mm -hmm. from the next bike build that I take a deposit on. I'm not taking a deposit. This is how much it costs. Give me all the money because I'm not chasing you. You know, it's that gang mentality that I, I, I use this all the time. I didn't have, I'm not going to go look for somebody. I'll go do something to where you start looking for me. Right. I'll do something to where you're pissed at me now. Now I don't have to fucking find you. I just got to wait for you to find me. Right. And I can make myself available. So it's the same thing. I've got bikes back here right now. I'm not going to say any customer names, but there's bikes you walk past over there. This motherfucker, I can't get this dude, you know, is one of these guys you're talking about. He's got a lot of money. He's used to people doing whatever he wants to do. He's, you know, and I'm fucking trying to get, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And they don't understand. It's like they think that we can just stop working on that bike and then pick it up when they're ready. No, nah, bitch. If you stop me here and I have five more bikes come in, we'll check it out. You don't own the front of the fucking line. You're back here now. Right. I don't have to tell you. Because I, I got to fucking eat. Yeah. This is how I eat. This is how I feed my family and have for two decades. Right. It's tough. It's tough. How long have you been in business now? Uh, probably about a year and a half. Really? Yeah. Okay. So what was the one thing that you're like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to do this for, I mean, you said like you, you moved into it organically. You said you kind of started out working on the homies bikes and then it was like, okay, I can't do this in my house anymore. There's too much shit here. I got too many people coming and going neighbors, HOAs, fucking what I want to shop. I want right. to go to work every day. I want to, I want to leave here where I'm comfortable. Whereas my, you know, cause our house is our castle, right? And we want to leave when we go going to go over here. How did that happen? Explain that arc for me. So it happened kind of, kind of strangely. And I still don't think it happened completely because I'm still half the shit I do. I do at my house. Cause I'm just, I just can wake up, drink coffee and do it there. Right. Right. And I'm not big like you are, right. You have fucking guys coming from everywhere. So it happened kind of, I went to school and I got a bunch of college degrees through the VA, mm-hmm. never fucking used them. Ever. I was like, this shit sucks. So I went to work at Harley and they had a problem with me. I had a problem with them. So I was doing shit out of my house that they were not doing, right? They weren't doing services correctly to the point where they were really double checking something as simple as putting fucking Loctite on a bolt or cross examining, making sure that everything's good to go. I was doing it at home and then finally they fired me. I said, fuck you. So I took everybody that I had from there, started doing it at my house. So then from there, it grew into. I'm going to build a bike. So I built my first bike and then people were like, holy shit, build another one. So then I had people coming to me to build their bikes. And then I couldn't find a fucking painter. There's only one painter in Tampa and you know the name, but he does old school shit. He's still doing fucking tribal and and flames and shit. Yeah. I was like, fuck that dude. And the dude's, the dude's not very, he's, I know who you're talking about. And I've, I've done a podcast about him because he and I got crossed up. Yeah, dude, he's not good. And, uh, so I'm, my painter right now, I have a painter here for emergency purposes here in Lakeland. And I, and I love the kid. I mean, he's a, he's, he's a friend. Um, and then I've got my, I got my dude fish up in, uh, up in alleyway customs who yeah. does most of my big stuff right now because I don't have somebody local and, right. and fish knows that that relationship is not an, is not one of convenience. It's one of necessity. Right. I have to have a fucking painter because I can't do quality 
mechanical work and then put fucking cake frosting on it. Right. You know, it has to be, you know, that's the one thing like, you know, painters can make or break your job. Anybody can make or break your job. But like you said, like, you know, you wanted to learn how to do it so you could control the outcome. Mm -hmm. So I just, dude, you just walk through my whole business. I don't have fucking, I'm managing people in, you know, that little area where I have that's my own shop. Like that, that's my, close the fucking doors, get the fuck out of here. Like that's where I'm in. That's where I'm at. Right. My TV, my radio, my, my fridge, the whole deal. Right. You know, but I can't have be hands on like you are right now. And it's tough. Yeah, it is. It is tough. And it's one of those things that's bittersweet because, you know, when you learn to do something, you start doing it. You're your biggest critic. Yeah. Now you are judging yourself against everybody's shit. That's why, like, if, if you were to ask me if you know this painter or that painter, I try not to look at their shit because I don't want to be discouraged. You know what I mean? I don't want to look at their stuff and be like, wow, they're incredible. And then look at mine. So I just try to bust it out every day. And my biggest thing is that I have to be better every single day. I have to learn something new and do it better. So that way, one day, I will have shit that's like fucking in magazines and stuff. Yeah, that's the tough thing, right? Is you know how you how we get into this business, mm-hmm. right? How how people get into this business is very different because I've learned in all these years that there's dudes that grew up in it like me, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll get into what your background was because you know I'm I'm interested in that because that'll that'll help develop the arc of, of how you got to your shop. But I grew up in it like my front my you know my dad's chopper was in the living room, it was in the basement, and then it was you know. That was just what it was just what it was. Right. And and I fought it. I didn't want to be when I was in my teens and twenties, dude, I was like, I don't fucking deal with this shit. I don't want to do it. You know? I don't I, I didn't it wasn't what I was into. And I put all my money, all my effort, all my time into drag racing and did really well. But my dad called me from Daytona in 03. He was like, You gotta check this out. Like, you know, this is what's up. You know, it started sending me pictures. I was fucking hooked. Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. Sold the race car. Sold the enclosed trailer. Like, sold everything off. Fucking stopped wearing suits. Fucking started getting tattoos. And it was it was fucking life changing. But uh, I fought it for the for the longest time. Yeah, and that's, but that's how it happens, though. I don't know too many people that growing up they were like, I'm gonna be a bike builder or a fuck in the custom bike scene. It just doesn't happen. It's usually that one moment where you're like, fuck it, I'm all in. And yeah. You never, you can't be halfway in. Every bike guy I've known, like you yourself or whoever else, they're they're never like, well, I was, you know, I was kind of thinking about it. No, it was either fucking all or nothing. Dude, I run those. I I run, and it's fun. I'm not. Let me let me. I'm gonna rephrase this right. No, just say so it. I well. So I have when I when I got into this business, I went to the the local OGs, uh, Steve Broyles from Stevenson Cycle in Wayne, Michigan, mm-hmm. and Gary Mulligan who, uh, RIP, who isn't around anymore, who was Steve's mentor, right? right? And Steve Steve signed off on me opening a shop. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the way, it, there there was a fucking legit hierarchy. Right. And there were dudes that were working out of their garage. And Steve made it his personal mission to shut those dudes down. Like, hey, I'm not going to fucking compete with you. So he, how he did it was he went to the distributors and said, if you're going to sell to this guy, I'm not going to sell your parts. Right. And then he got me to, to do that. Even though I started in my garage, Steve started in his garage. Right. There was a certain point where if you're starting, if you're con- going to consider yourself a bike builder and you're going to have invoices and fucking, then get a fucking retail location. Like I was, I'm, and I'm still pretty, 
I feel like it's, like you said, it's kind of a halfway in deal. Like, come be poor with me. Come be right. broke with me. Right. Come fucking bust your knuckle. I fucking burnt the fuck out of my hand today <laughs> trying to check tire pressure on a, in my arm, trying to check tire pressure oh, yeah. on a fucking, you know, on a, an electric light. Yep. Like, that kind of shit. Like, be willing to fucking throw it all in. Like, Travis Barker, you know who he is, right? Yeah. From Blink-182. I was listening to an interview with him when he was talking. He was like, I didn't have a plan B. My dad was like, you need a plan B. He's like, I don't have a plan B. This is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to do. This is what I'm going to have. You know, I'm going to be a drummer. And fuck, dude, he just married Khloe Kardashian. Right. He's fucking, you know, loaded as fuck yeah. from, from the shit that he did. And we might not ever see that in this business, but after all these years in the business, dude, it's fucking rad to go into a room where you have Dave Perowitz and Corey Ness and fucking Billy Lane and all these dudes, and you've been around them for the last 20 years to where you're kind of supposed to be there. Right. Right. So that's what I try to tell people that work in their garage. I'm like, hey, look, this is a fucking fleeting thing. You need to be all in and I'll pull you along. Like I'll I'll introduce you to people. I'll take you to Sturgis. I'll show you what's going on. And and once you're in those spaces, it it's fucking life changing. Cause right. you realize once you've been doing this for a long time, you realize this is what I'm this is what I do. I can't fucking quit this. Right. There's no way I can quit this, dude. Right. I could shut this thing down. And I can't quit. I can't quit the people in this industry that I know. The, the, the phone wouldn't ring if I said I'm not doing any any more motorcycle shit. No one would call me. No, you know what I mean. Well, that's because it's who you are. Yeah, it's. Do you do it for enough time? It, it gets in your DNA, dude. Right. It's like a drug. Hundred percent. You sur all, everybody you surround yourself with, all your friends, all your colleagues, your life, everything revolves around this industry right That's everything dude and now my daughter works here too right and she's going to take it over and she goes to sturgis and works for for third-party vendors and you know she works at jp cycle and she works over here and does this shit it's like every that it's 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 ingrained in what we do you know right. what i mean and you know you're 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 hitting the nail on the head when you talk about it. it's it's not going to work if it's not all or nothing no not at all I, you know, there's a dude over in Plant City that builds baggers. He's a nice guy. He buys parts from me. He's not a builder. Right. You're just not. I'm sorry. You know, you're building big wheel baggers and you're fixing big wheel baggers for people. But until you, and to me, to be a bike builder doesn't mean you can't do it at your house. What it means is that you don't drive a truck for a living and then this right. is your side hustle. Right. It has to be your fucking It has to be your fucking, butter. it has to be scary it has to be hard it has to be fucking there has you have to be scared as fuck yeah sometimes you gotta have that butt pull that butthole pucker back <laughs> Dude, you know what i mean I'm where you're like how you. the fuck am i gonna pay my bills oh shit how am i gonna pay my child support whatever the case may be oh i gotta get out there and beat feet and fucking get some guys to paint their shit or fucking you know build something or do certain whatever i gotta do but it, guess what it's not gonna be anywhere else except for in the space of motorcycles yeah right nothing else and that's what people don't you know i have people tell me all the time like well dude take this money and put it over here and buy bitcoin i'm like man fucking fuck your bitcoin like right. i don't do that like seriously i buy shovelhead parts i buy evo parts when i get in fucking trouble i have money but when i get in trouble I fucking sell that shit off. Right. And then I get it back again. Right. And then I sell it again. And then I get it back again. You don't understand what I'm yeah. saying? Like, that's that's what I know. Like, I know what shit's worth in this industry. Right. I know, like, what a West Coast Choppers part is. People call me from, from all over to buy them. I fucking, I'm, I've figured it out. Right. 
hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, that's that's investing in a small space that people don't understand. So people that are fucking trading Bitcoin, that shit won't be here in fucking. It's not long. anything, it's, dude. It's literally it's not based on anything. It's air. It's, and then they say that there's Bitcoin mining now. Where are they mine? There's no there's no such thing. It's some guy that's a fucking cyber crypto fucking insane guy that's literally controlling the market. Whereas motorcycles. That are all, same thing. I collect motorcycles, I collect guns, and I collect fucking vintage guitars. Because I know that shit's going to fucking always be in style. Yeah, because you know who wants that shit? Everybody. The people we were talking about that have money. Right. Because some people always have money. Right. And they will give you less than what you want for it if you're in a fucking pinch, but fucking sell shit, you know? Right. I always tell people, I don't, buy, I don't invest in the stock market. I buy shovelhead parts. Yeah. Because I, I've been in trouble before, and I've got, I'm a bird in the hand guy. I, this is what I, I have this. I can sell this. Mm-hmm. Dude, did you see, um, did you see out in the show, or out in the conference room, there's a West Coast Choppers Coors Light. Yeah, right on the, right on sign. the, on the wall. Yeah. yeah. So I had one of those a long, long time ago. And the, I mean, I'm a West Coast Choppers like collector nerd. I have a lot of weird shit. Like, yeah, that, that I've fucking, seen that everywhere. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of West Coast Chopper shit and uh, not just parts like fucking weird shit. Um, but I got fucking crossed up about fucking six years ago, and I had one of those. Dude, someone paid me a G for it. What? Yeah. And then so I fucking watched for that shit. I, I bought that one brand new in a fucking box for like 400 Wow. So, you know what I mean? Like, wow. dude, the best story ever, and I've told this on the podcast before, but I'll tell you because it's a funny story. Do you know who Bill Wall is? Mm-mm. So back when Jesse James was... Uh, building the West Coast Choppers in the Gold Rush era, like 2000 to 2005, yes. 2006, That's right? All the big builders came out of the woodworks. Exactly. So there was a dude that did seats for him named Bill Wall. He built really nice leather jackets. He built, like, he does jewelry. He's a jeweler. Right. And so he built these wallets that Jesse James had made that were Bill Wall wallets, and they're shaped like a coffin with black and white leather on them. And uh, I wanted one. I went to Jesse's a couple times for the no love party. And the last time we went there in 08, he had, he brought all this old apparel out, right? This fucking old shit. And uh, I bought a ton of it, right. brought it back home. And I just started fucking, I, I sit on stuff for a while. I'll, I know what things are worth and I know what I can sell them for. So I look on eBay and if I see something cheap that I know what it is mm-hmm. and I know how hard it is to get wow. it, I fucking boom, right I there. buy it, put it in my closet. And then when fucking shit goes back up, I'm like, hey, I got one of these. Right. And people fucking pay me big money for it. Investment 101. Exactly. So I'm not, I'm an idiot. I don't know. I don't buy fucking, you know, yes. I don't own fucking rental homes, but I got fucking shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I buy this wallet. I or I wanted this wallet. They didn't have any. And uh I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to Bill Wall. So I send Bill Wall an email and I get a, a message back from his um like his assistant. She's like, I think we have some of those. So I was like, cool. So she found she goes, I found four or five of them in a drawer. Do you want one? I'm like, yeah, 275 bucks. So I fucking send her 275 bucks. The rest of them are on eBay like the next week, dude. Yeah. I gave her 275. She's like, fuck this. So she fucking put them up there for like 300 bucks. Oh. Well, so I had all this West Coast chopper shit. When I moved down here to finance my move down to Florida, I financed it selling West Coast choppers parts. A buddy of mine lives in Australia, had a friend who owned a contractor. Uh, it was a military contractor during Desert Storm mm-hmm. that... Um, that's the one that was around 2000, right? With Saddam and all that shit. No, no, no. Desert Storm was 1991. Okay, so... OIF, Operation Iraqi Freedom, was 01. Okay, so it was during that time when right. Jesse went over there and stuff. So yeah. I, I, I got that screwed up. So it was during there... Um, 
this dude owned a defense. Co- this guy lived in New Zealand. He had owned a defense contractor mm-hmm. company. He fucking called up West Coast Choppers one time. Said, "Hey, send me. Here's a bunch of money. Send me parts." So they sent him three pallets of fucking West Coast Choppers parts. Just yeah. everything. Risers, bars. This guy was going to open a bike shop. Well, my buddy lives in Melbourne. He was fucking called me. He's like, "Hey, dude, my buddy owns this company." And these are just sitting in his warehouse. Jesse shut down his parts department. No parts. So everybody that was building West Coast choppers, like CFLs and shit, they couldn't get risers. They couldn't get bars. They couldn't get pipes. Nothing. Mm. So this dude had three pallets worth of shit. So he overnighted it from Australia to Detroit. How much was that? Dude, a lot. Yeah. Overnights, seven exhaust. He took all the parts out of the boxes and put them in the exhaust boxes. Right. And then... Sent me seven exhaust boxes with parts in it. Yeah. So I financed my whole move down here doing this. Wow. So going back to the wallet, I had the wallet. I wasn't using it. It was just something I wanted to have. And so when I got the wallet, there was no loop. Uh, there was no rivet to put a wallet chain in. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I called or sent her an email back. I'm like, hey, this doesn't have a rivet for a wallet chain. Can you put one in for me? She's like, yeah, 65 bucks. So I sent her the wallet back. She sends it back to me with a, with a bill wall rivet in it. Okay. Right? All right. So we moved down here to Florida, sell all the West Coast chopper shit. Things get a little tight. I fucking start selling some shit off. I sell that wallet for like, I don't know, 400 bucks. Yeah. But I'm I'm still to the good. I had 400 bucks cash, you know. Yeah, but somebody fucking, paid $400 for a wallet. Yeah. Well, so here's the deal. My wallet had something that none of those other coffin wallets had, right? Right. The rivet. Yeah. So I'm on eBay. The wall Rivet. Yeah. So a couple years go by, or, you know, 10 years go by, like two years ago, I'm on fucking eBay looking, looking, I see a wallet and I fucking, so I send the dude a message. I'm like, Hey, I'll give you like, I don't know, 200 bucks for it or whatever. I send him the 200 bucks. He sends me the wallet. It's got the fucking rivet in it. It's You're my fucking same, wallet. Wow. Merry go round, huh? Right. So. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so like people that think we're fucking stupid because right. we're into the motorcycle deal. It's like, no, it's, it's transportation. It's my hobby. It's fucking, my family all wraps around, revolves around. My dad worked here. My mom worked here. My daughter works here. My other daughter worked here for a little while. So it's like, this is a family deal. Like my wife, I've been married for 28 years. My wife knows like, it's not even, there's not even a fight about this place. Right. Like if this place isn't doing good, she knows it's not doing good. She knows things are going to be tight. It's fucking done. You know, she's gangster when it comes to that. So that's going to happen in this business. Yeah. And I, and I invite anyone that wants to, experience that to experience it because the the fucking things that we get to do in this business are fucking amazing yeah when you're riding down the fucking road on a bike that you put together or you put the cams in or you paint it or whatever and you're rolling with a bunch of dudes that you keep all their shit fucking tip top yeah there's something about that right no 100 percent, 100 percent. especially when you have all the bikes like you built or paint jobs or whatever, you're riding with your guys and everybody's just looking and waving, right? I love the people are like, oh, you just ride motorcycles for attention. You're fucking right, I do. Yeah. Absolutely right. Fucking when I'm riding by, I want people to look at my shit because I put my fucking sweat, blood, tears, and my life savings into this fucking thing. You know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing that nobody else will get. Like, I know a lot of car guys, but it's not the same. There's, there, it's not the same fucking like machismo in it. It's just, it's just not, dude. No. Like, I'm from Detroit. Right, like, legit. Like, when when people talk about like the car scene down here and the in the dude, I can't even begin to put into words. If you're into fucking muscle cars, there's nowhere on the planet. End of not L.A., not fucking Wisconsin, Detroit. Right. You go to fucking Detroit, 
there is literally like I grew up like that was the car thing I did right, dude. I grew up with fucking there was hot rods everywhere. Yeah. I knew dudes. I I know several dudes that live in fucking thousand square foot houses. They paid eighty grand for twenty five years ago. They got a fucking hundred thousand dollar fucking race car in their fucking garage. Yeah. I know dudes with two or three hundred thousand dollar race cars in their garage. It's bananas, mm-hmm. but it's not. There's. I got I don't. We were just talking about this the other day. Like the people that I've met through motorcycles are not the same kind of people that I met through cars. No, because it's a lifestyle, right? Well, motorcycles don't stand up on their own. That's the only thing I can. You could die on a motorcycle really right. fucking easy, and right. a lot of fucking people do every day. A lot of people do, dude. Every time you get on the bike, you're, you you are literally flirting with death. And to me, that's something I love about it. You know what I mean? It gets my fucking gets my brain going. Because I could die. I could be fucking smashed. Somebody could shoot me off the bike. I could be dead at any moment. But you know what? It gets my heart pumping. It gets the adrenaline going. It's like combat. I love that shit. Yeah. You know, whereas in a car, yeah, you can press a gas pedal and go real fast. But it's not the same. Yeah, well, in a car, it's not as visceral, right? I mean, no. you can, but it, it is to a degree. It's it's different though. Like you can control the environment inside a car. I'm gonna roll these windows up, right? I'm gonna turn the air conditioning to 68 degrees. I'm gonna put smooth jazz, right. smooth jazz FM. On, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, but you can control that environment. On a motorcycle, fucking, you can be rolling down the road and fly through a fucking swarm of bees and love fucking bumps. love the, 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 your life just fucking changed oh, for yeah. a minute, right? You know, that's fucking, that's true. That That is such a true thing that it, it's not the same thing at all. There's nothing else that comp- that compares to the lifestyle of a motor, like real enthusiasts. Right. Guys that build, that that ride, that live this shit to their fucking core. There's, there's nothing else in the entire world that competes with what we do in this community at all. I'm sorry, there's not. I think that leads to kind of my cynicism. I, I'm not a very cynical guy, right? but I'm a bit of a fucking smart ass. And I'm, I'm proud of that. Like I'm, I, I fancy myself as somebody who's pretty fucking witty and can figure things out and move the conversation here, there, or wherever. Right. But when you meet, and we've all done, I call them dude bros. They fucking, bros. they show up, they got the fucking, the the fucking new rags on the fucking the uh, the lone wolf patch. The I call fucking, them brothers, brother. Hey, brother. Yeah, the hey brothers, yeah. right? They and I I I I realize owning a bike shop that it's a slippery slope. That I would say that you know those dudes are disingenuous, but and they're fine. They're good customers. But dude, I have a guy that he's not a customer anymore. He doesn't ride, but I'll never forget. He stopped in. He's like, hey, is my bike done? And I'm like. It'll be done in an hour. Did He's I like, okay, you? cool. He, well, you know, he stopped in and he was, I was like, okay, cool. And he had like fucking uh, like Bermuda shorts and fucking like Sperry's on. And yeah. I, I fucking ride, dude, I, I ride in shorts, that three quarter fucking sleeve vest right there. Right. A fucking full face carbon fiber bell helmet. That's what I got. Yeah. And fucking in Vans. Yeah. But I wear it in shorts and I have gloves. That's it. I mean, fucking, you know. You can sacrifice the legs a little bit. I it's, it's too hot. I don't wear a lot of jeans. Yeah. But this dude stopped in. He's like, "Okay, I'll be right back." He came in, dude. It was less than an hour later. Fucking had Harley boots. Oh yeah. Harley jeans with the things that go under the boot thing oh, yeah. that clamps the fucking jeans to hold the jeans down. Yep. A Harley belt. A fucking wad of keys. He looked like the 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 janitor from Three's Company. Yeah. A fucking Harley shirt, a beanie, and I'm like, dude, what, did you just go home and put on a fucking costume? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, how much, you know how much that outfit cost? <laughs> right. <laughs> Fucking insane. Well, I always say, like, I, I clown, like, I've said this enough times where Harley's never going to sponsor this podcast, but Harley's not a motorcycle company as much as they're a t-shirt company that sells unfinished bikes. 100%. And, I, and I'm good with it. No, I'm I'm good. Yeah, fucking. <laughs> I actually have a couple shirts and a couple stickers that are big upside down. On my bike, I actually painted upside down barn shields as fuck the factory. Right. I just personally not a fan. I love love the uh I love my Harleys. I love my Harleys. I love the base of it, but you gotta do so much to it to make it how you want it to be, right? You got to rip all that bullshit, fucking EPA regulated shit out. And you, it's basically like a fucking, like a shell. Harley's just a shell that's badass. And then you got to put all the other cool shit like zippers makes and everybody else and put it in there. It's, it's, and, I, and I've been fighting it for forever. It's, it's, they don't, it's not. And I try to explain it to people like, it's not, that's not what it is. It's, it's what you do with it mm-hmm. that makes it cool. Right. It's like buying fucking work pants. Yeah, they fucking fit like shit. That's why there's somebody. That's why there's a little fucking Asian dude down the road with a fucking tape measure around his neck because yeah. he's gonna fucking tailor them. You know what I mean? Like, right. get your pants tailored. Right. You know, wear good work boots if that's what your fucking deal is. You know, I'm 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 bougie like that. Like you know. I like nice shit. Mm-hmm. So I like my Harleys to be nice too. Right. I like my motorcycles to be fucking reflect how I feel on the inside and, and how I look on the outside. Like I'm, I'm a truth be told, dude, I'm a BMX nerd. Right. You know, that was my fucking that right down the middle. That's what I did when I was a kid. I rode, I grew up on fucking BMX bikes and my dad had a fucking dirt bike that he gave me and that's it. Yeah. That's what I did until I got my driver's license, you know? Yeah, but that shit was your shit, though, huh? It was the fucking right. jam, dude. Like, nobody touches your fucking your bike or your dirt bike. Isn't that something that's funny that people do that to me all the time because I have a bike shop and I have to be kind of I have to be kind of cool about it. I'm like, hey, man, like, don't sit. But fucking people touch people with motorcycles today. And it's like, that's, I, I knew as a kid growing up, don't fucking touch anybody's fucking motorcycle ever. No, that's because nobody gets punched in the mouth anymore. That's all there is to it. They come up and they touch your shit. I had a girl sitting on my bike. We came out of a bar. She's sitting on my bike. Her friends are taking a picture for her for fucking Instagram or something. Good looking girl. I said, get the fuck off my bike. And she started laughing. I said, I'm not fucking kidding. Get off my fucking bike. And so she got off the bike and she's like, what do you think? think it's it's fucking you think you're better than everybody i said that's my bike I said all right if i come in i fuck you is it do you think you're better than me should i be able to fuck you no then don't fuck my bike yeah but it's it's lost now dude i i have to tell you you brought this up so you know who Corey souza is Mm-mm. it's one of my homies he's a fucking he's one of the best builders in the country i mean hands down he's straight up he come up he came up under dave perowitz mm-hmm. and he he's in sarasota <clears throat> And so about four or five years ago, when the big wheel bagger thing was going on, there was like all these new people in the industry. And it was like, okay, I don't, I'm, I've been doing it for so long that like, okay, I, I stay away from some people like you got, you're, you're, you're coming in here, you're throwing money around. Everybody knows who you are. You're selling t-shirts. That's great. Those dudes are not here anymore. Right. Like a lot of them. I can give you a fucking list a mile long dude of dudes that, I don't know anymore. There's a fucking a list of maybe 10 that I still know that I came up with in this business. Right. right. So we're down in Ebor. We're at this fucking Irish pub. They're having, they want to have bike nights. Oh, James Joyce. That one? 
It's the one right next to the, like, where the, the fucking streetcar is. Yep, yep, James Joyce. Okay, so we're there. Nice place. Yeah. Everything's cool. We're there, and Corey's lay frame 30-inch fucking baggers there. It's a dope bike. Mm. I'm not a big wheel bagger guy, but this bike either. is fucking dope. Yeah. And and this dude, straight up, will drag race anybody mm-hmm. and wins a lot, and he rode it from here to California, from California to Sturgis more than one time. Like, he rides his bikes. It's legit. Damn. He's fucking legit. That's tough. So we're in the bar, and these dudes come in. They're like, hey, this chick's sitting on your bike. We go out there, bro. This bitch is sitting on his fucking bike, and she has figured out how to turn it on, and she's fucking revving it. It gets worse. Oh, wow. It gets worse, bro. Wow. So we're standing there, and he fucking runs over there, turns the bike, and goes, get the fuck off my fucking bike. And she's, like you said, she's... It's almost... I feel bad. Like, it's almost not her fault. She doesn't realize what she's doing. Right. She's just a really good-looking girl. She didn't hurt the bike, but she did start it. That's a little fucking obnoxious. That's a lot. That's, That's scandalous. Far. So her boyfriend's standing there. He's mm. got a fucking... He doesn't have... He's got, a like, a, a vest on, but there's nothing on it. Right. And he's standing there, and he's got a drink in his hand. And he's just, like, kind of smirking. And I'm standing next to him, and Corey's talking to the girl. He's like, get the fuck off my bike. Like, you know, he's trying to explain to her, you don't fucking do that. And I look over and I go, is that your girl? He's like, yeah. I go, are you out of your fucking mind, dude? Right. Like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Are you, are you, that's, that's your girl? And he goes, yeah. I go, you fucking let her sit on. He goes, I don't control her. I'm like, how about telling her what she's doing is wrong? I go, you ride, right? You got a fucking, you got a fucking, a biker vest on. I'm assuming you rode here, right? He's like, yeah. I go, so you know better. You know better, and you didn't have, you, you didn't fucking tell her. Oh, it gets worse, dude. So, my buddy Corey looks at him. He goes, "So, you're fucking. That's your. your this your girl?" And he's like, "Yeah." He goes, "Where? Where's your fucking bike? How about I touch your fucking bike?" And the guy goes, "I'm. You're not touching my bike." And Corey goes, "Oh, I'm. No, I am touching your fucking bike. Which right. bike is yours?" The dude takes his glass, throws it right, breaks the glass, like you know, real Tough dramatic. Guy. Real dramatic. So we walk around the corner. And uh, he's like, which bike's yours? And now there's a fucking little crowd for him. Right, right, right. <laughs> and this dude fucking, he goes, that one right there. He goes, don't touch it. And Corey goes, this one? And he goes, don't fucking touch it. Well, so then the I'm standing right face to face with the dude. And I'm like, hey, man, this is you fucking brought this shit on yourself. Like, you need to fucking back up. And he goes like this. Yeah. And I go, don't do it. Don't fucking do it. He's going to draw. And as soon as he, he stuck his hand in the draw out of his fucking as fast everybody fucking runs and I'm fucking face to face with me, Corey and this dude. I said, don't fucking do it. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, there was dudes from, I guess the department of agriculture is the one that handles the fucking permits for the guns. So there's, there was cops in Ebo. I mean, it could fucking happen fast. Like yeah. we're standing there, but this guy let this fucking girl sit down on the, and they took him away. They ended up taking him away and he ended up, and now he's, he's, uh, now he is in a in an MC mm. uh, local around here, and I've seen him a couple times. But it's not. I don't care. Like that's not fucking acceptable. That's no. not acceptable behavior. No. You, you shouldn't. Like if I'm with anyone, like my kids always knew, don't touch anybody's motorcycle. 100%. Not to be scared. I taught him because it's fucking disrespectful. Don't touch anybody's soda. Don't touch somebody's fucking food. Don't touch my fries at McDonald's. (laughs) Basic fucking principles. Don't touch other people's shit. But it's funny that you, you know, that we experience that on a 
fucking regular basis in one way, shape, or form, someone being on your bike, I mean, that could have been handled a thousand different ways. Yeah. Hey, do you mind if I take a picture on your bike? You probably would have said, right. here, sweetheart, let me help you up there. Here, go ahead, take a picture. Okay, you're done. But Don't touch any a, fucking buttons. It's a complete fucking, uh, it's, it's preposterous that somebody yeah. would do that. No, it's, it's disgusting, and it happens all the fucking time. And the fact that her man was sitting there watching it giggling is even worse, right? Especially if you, you're wearing a leather vest, so you're... Implying. Basically saying, I am a part of the MC community, or the motorcycle, motorcycle community. community. No, the fuck you're not, right? <laughs> or you're a hey brother, and it's your fucking weekend off. It so doesn't... It, it, there was there absolutely no excuse for any of it. No. Not Stupidity. at all. Yeah, complete and utter right. ignorance and disrespect on a, on, a, on a level that is not, not even acceptable. That's disgusting. You ready for another one? Let's do it. All right, I'll be right back. Thank you. Thank you. Have an actual fridge in there. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. So let's wrap a little bit about your, are you from Florida here? No, I'm not. Okay. I was gonna say, you don't have that Florida, you don't have that Florida, uh, accent. No, you're not, you don't fucking talk like this. You're not (laughs) like, yeah, man, I'm fucking you down here, but you were military. Correct. Yep. What branch? Marine Corps. Nice. My dad's, I don't know if you saw the Marine flag out there. My yeah, dad was a Marine. I did. I was like, all right, this guy's 69 okay. to 71. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. I didn't, uh, I didn't get to go in. Uh, that was a, that's a long story. I'll tell you some other time, but right. so where'd you serve? I was in Afghanistan. Okay. So I grew up in uh, San Diego, California. Nice. And then I was in Oceanside Station there. So I got fucking hooked up um, and then went over to Afghanistan and got fucked up, medically retired in 2014 and then figured out my life from there. Right. Yeah. To use the GI Bill, you got a couple degrees. Yeah, Did you yeah. do the MMI route? No. I used my GI Bill, went and got my bachelor's degree in marketing, and then I used Voc Rehab, which is another program, right. for a, uh, a master's of science and a master's of business administration. Nice. So then I was working for the uh, Buccaneers. That's why I moved down here. Okay. Got a job with them doing marketing for the Buccaneers, and then I went to the NHL. I was working for uh, the Lightning, but for the NHL from New York. Gotcha. And... Got fired from both of them. Yeah? Yeah. Little hothead? Yeah, I just, coming from the Marine Corps, being combat arms background, I just couldn't, and then growing up in the gang life in California, mm-hmm. I just, I don't, if you come at me with respect, I will give you all the respect, and I'll be the coolest person you ever met. You come at me fucking sideways, and it's just, but that's, I should, I feel like the men that I grew up with, that's how all of them were, whether yeah. they're military or not. So it just doesn't work like that in the white collar world, especially like in the sport and entertainment management where everybody has feelings. Yeah. So go back to one of the things you said earlier about that and and just to kind of do a little bit of a callback. You were talking about um, the, you know, the, the, I'm trying to think of how to articulate this. You were talking about like starting a shop and, and the people that come in and, and looking at things from a, uh, a respect kind of thing, right? So where you started out in in the shop. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what the you had said something earlier about you where we were talking about a lack of respect. It was before we were talking about the bike sitting on there. Right. You were talking something about um I'm trying to think if it was fuck it. 
I don't remember exactly w- what that was, but you just triggered something when you said that because you were talking about the. I'm talking about the difference between I think being self-employed and being in pl- someone else's employee. Right. 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 And so, and you had mentioned about. Oh, I know what we were talking about. Um, oh fuck, boy, that that I can't I can't catch that I can't catch that drift. I'll, I'll have to come back to that. But yeah. w- when you're talking about the difference between being in a corporate environment and a non corporate environment, right? right? When someone right. coming at you sideways, it's like that's a tough thing to get people to to be tough about. You're trying to I'm trying to get people to be a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, um, you said people don't get punched in the face anymore. Right. Okay. So you yes. said people, that's what it was. You said people don't get punched in the face anymore. It's like, okay. So that I consider that an extreme response. Right. Right. So and, I got and, fired. And it kind of is, right. you know, it yeah, is yeah, kind yeah. of an extreme response, but there's, there has to be something in between that and molly coddling people. Right. Right. There has to be a specific set of social constructs that we adhere to that have some sort of order. Mm-hmm. Right, there has to be levels, and you can't say anything anymore to people. And Not they fucking thing. lose their shit, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, and they get away, and everybody can get away with it. I mean, let's say here, luckily in this kind of industry, you're not going to run into that because you don't have an HR department. You don't have people fucking pandering. Oh, did your feelings get hurt? Or he said, "Fuck off," or whatever the case may be. But everywhere else, that exists. Everywhere, whether it's truck driving or fucking whatever. You say one wrong thing, and now they have you under investigation for forever, and they try to spin it some kind of way. God forbid they were the opposite sex. God forbid they were the fucking opposite. God forbid they were wrong and you were right, but oh, you your response was not within within what their acceptable level of, uh, you know, the corrective measures that are in place. I, I, I see it both ways. I mean, I used to be a high school auto shop teacher. Oh, that's tough. It is, yeah. especially, you know, I had never been a teacher before. I moved down here, started teaching, and uh, I was trying to teach these. It was mostly boys. Right. But I was teaching them how to be men. Right. I was teaching them that you're not going to get it on the first fucking time. You're not. Never. It, and if you did, you either cut a corner or got lucky. Mm-hmm. But you got to be good to be lucky. Mm-hmm. So maybe you're good, but that doesn't mean you stop. And you have to keep going, right? right? So when you start talking about, you know, you're two and a half months into painting, you're not two and a half months into painting. You're two and a half months into you painting. Right. But you know, there was a reason why you're like, I'm doing this myself. This I don't like the way this is. This didn't come out right. I'm tired of dealing with these motherfuckers. I'm tired of people telling me they're going to deliver something on a Tuesday and it comes in on a Thursday. If I'm going to deliver it on Thursday, I'm going to fucking do it because that gives me two more days to fuck it up myself, right? right? So... There's a learning curve here. And we were just talking about this earlier today because we had somebody order a clutch and it came in and it took a long time to get here and it's not the right clutch because the customer didn't give us the right information. Mm. Right? But you were at fault. But we're at fault, right? right? Oh, dude, I'll tell you the best thing ever. So we have a customer that lives in West Palm Beach. We're in Lakeland. That's yeah. four hours away, three hours away, something like that, I think. Dude comes up here for us to work on his bike. I love that. That's that's an honor. Right. He buys a new bike. He buys a new set of bars. Somehow between him ordering the bars that I sold him and him calling up and reordering a different set of bars, the color got from being black to chrome. Mm. Dude drives up here today, gets here a little bit late, about 11. We tear the bike down. Julie comes in. My my counter, my, my parts manager comes in. She says, his bike's all black. These are chrome bars. I was like, okay, I, I, I think I... 
I think I remember him saying he wanted Chrome bars because he got black last time or something. So we asked him, we're like, hey, did you order Chrome bars? Like, do we have Chrome bars here for you? And this bike's all black. Right. And he just kind of like, I don't know, laughed or something. I don't, I don't even know how to explain what his response was. His response was like, I was being an idiot. He was like, why would you even ask me that? Yeah. I was like, okay. So we put him on and we always fit people for bars, you know? So I go back there and, and he comes up and he's just like, those are Chrome. And I'm like, yeah we just had a conversation about we just it. talked about this right. a couple hours ago why right. didn't you say something he goes i thought you were kidding i'm like why would i kid you drove four hours or three hours or whatever it was from west palm to get bars put on and he's like and dude he literally like has like a vapor lock yeah he you can just see that he is just projecting like not he didn't get belligerent but right. he was I don't think he has the ability to get belligerent. I think he was just so like not accepting of what was going on. And I'm like trying to talk to him. Like, so finally he's got Julie wound up to the fucking moon. He's got my daughter wound up to the moon. They're up here trying to, they're calling factory 47 to see if they can overnight a set of bars and right. what they can do. And I go up to the guy and I'm like, Hey, I'm like, listen, man, I need you to dial it back a little bit. We came up here and asked you, you didn't say anything. We thought maybe we were fucking crazy. But you need to, like, you've got everybody wound up. You need to dial it back. It's a motorcycle. It's not the end of the fucking world. Right. It's a motorcycle. And so I'm like, what would make you happy? He goes, overnight me a set of bars. I was like, okay. Now we established what his expectation right. would be in a perfect world. I can tell you right now that what we did is I pulled the fucking bars off. I called the powder coater, and I said, I have an emergency. The powder coater is going to powder coat him tonight. Yeah. The guy's in a fucking hotel over here in Lakeland. But I mean, there was never any culpability on the part of the customer. And we right. can't just, I, I told him, I'm like, dude, it's a fucking motorcycle. And people get mad when I say that. And if I'm telling you it's just a fucking motorcycle. Then it's just a fucking motorcycle. And I live and die by motorcycles and feed my fucking family by motorcycles. It, there's no such thing as a motorcycle emergency when it comes to handlebars. No. You know what I mean? So the the juice has to be worth the squeeze and the level of uh, aggression or whatever you have has, has, to be, has to meet that too. Right. How do you deal with like customer stuff? I mean, what, have you had that happen where you've like. Not really just because um, I, I put it, I put it all on front street. I mean, mm -hmm. usually guys that are coming to me. So guys that I don't know that are genuine, just customers that come to me, right? they know that I don't fucking play any shit and whatever you want, I'm going to do, but how I give it to you, I'm going to put my heart and soul into. It's not going to be fucking shit work. It's going to be the fucking cream of the crop, but we need to have a conversation before I do it to make sure that you and I are not going to be disappointed at the end. And then every time I give it back to them, maybe they just tell me they like it and they don't, I don't know. Yeah. But I just, I don't, we, there has to be that communication up front. You know what I mean? And it's, sure, if there's things that happens, like this whole supply chain bullshit has fucking been insane with aluminum and a whole uh, other metals and parts that you're trying to get from other places. I mean, some parts, I mean, I waited for a swing arm for fucking six months. I will tell you that depending on which company you ordered a swing arm from, the six month wait was before COVID too. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's crazy, you know, but these are, these are the the conversations that are had. So people sure. have a proper expectation, like you said, because the communication's there. Yeah. Now, are there people that fucking are, I can tell if somebody's going to be a nitpicker 
I can just tell because they come in already with like a shitty fucking look on their face. I'm like, this is what I want to do. I'm like, well, you need to go fucking somewhere else because it ain't going to happen here. You know, they just have that that staunch appearance about them. Like, mm, this is uh, you're going to do this. And just, you, I'm not doing fucking shit. I don't need the money. Yeah. Bye. Well, yeah. And, and we're going to get it. You're going to get exactly how I want you to get it. Right. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's a, that's a tough thing that people don't understand, especially when people first get into this business and I not into the business, into the hobby where they come in, you get a dude that maybe watched a few too many discovery channel shows, you know, and then goes to the Harley dealer, buys a bike. He's like, yeah. I don't fucking have a bike built. And they roll in here and they think it's going to happen like this. Yeah. And I fucking slow them down. I'm like, listen, this is, this is not how it's, it's not, this isn't going to go. I need you to know that this isn't going to go how you have it envisioned in your head. Right. But to that end, I think between the two of us, we can come up with a pretty reasonable set of expectations and a reasonable set of, you know, outs, you know, we can outcomes. Right. right. So you, you grew up in San Diego, uh, went in the, the Marines. How many years were you in the Marines? Five what? years. Five years. Okay. Yeah. So you were, were you in like you were, that was what you were going to do lifer and then you got hurt or no. So, uh, the way I got in the Marine Corps was, uh, I was in a lot of fucking trouble going to COIA and stuff. And then, uh, my dad was a Marine. My whole family was Marines. And basically I had no choice. I went in the Marines. That was the only option for me. I wasn't good at school. I wasn't good anywhere else. So I went in the Marines and uh excelled and that was where i found myself i was like you know what i could do this for the rest of my fucking life yeah. i enjoy this shit so did that even boot camp oh yeah i fucking Dude, I, that, I, that when i hear that kind of stuff that 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 is the and i don't mean this in a disparaging comment i mean that is a fucking psycho yeah. like if you like fucking like my dad my dad volunteered for for service in 1969 for the Marines. And I give my dad a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Right. And so I went to volunteer in 91 and my dad was like, this is not happening. You're not going like end of, it's not a discussion. We're not, this fucking not happening. And so we, we battled a bit about that. And, and I was very reticent that I didn't get to do that for a lot of years. And then I realized, well, I wouldn't be here where I'm at right now, where I'm happy. Mm hmm. Because of the butterfly effect. Who knows where I would have fucking been. I could have been dead. I could have been living in fucking Germany. Who knows, yeah. right? But Drag racing. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, but when I hear that someone likes boot camp, I just think, fuck, there's something in you that is uh, like likes getting up early and likes fucking getting yelled at and likes getting fucking just fucking it, it punished. Was more so, it was more so uh, I like challenges. So when I see other people struggling with something, I see that as an opportunity to fucking basically extort them, right? So they can't do it, so I'm going to do it, and then you have to fucking follow what I say because I'm doing it. So gotcha. in boot camp, uh, there's a position called the guide who is in charge <clears throat> of the entire platoon. And the second I got there, I was like, fuck it, I'm grabbing that guide. I'm going to be the guide the whole time. And then I have my squad leaders and everybody else in boot camp. They hated it because they came from a coddled environment. Whereas I came from a very broken environment and I never had anybody I could count on. Mom and dad were never around. You know what I mean? I just came from a very different fucking background where I took care of myself and learned shit on the street. Do you think that makes do you think that makes a better Marine? And, and the reason why, let me, let me preface why I want to ask that because, you know, um, somebody that comes from a standard, like, you know, mom and dad and you know dad works at the fucking factory and comes home and puts his work boots by the back door and mom always has dinner at you know at 5 34 p.m and you know we all do our homework do you think that that is an, an unfavorable 
environment to create the kind of soldier that we need? Mm-hmm. 100%. 110%. I'll tell you why. The reason why is because they are used to somebody catering to them and having their feelings be heard and being accepted and all this shit, right? Because when you have that environment, which, trust me, I wish I had that as a kid, it doesn't, when, when you have somebody that comes in the Marine Corps like that, now they think they have a love for their, and this is going to sound fucking macabre, but they have a love for their life. Yeah. They're, they have fear in them because they've never experienced fear, so now they have it versus growing up with fear. That's just a fucking, that's just ingrained in you. Like, you're scared, you tackle it, and you fucking get it over with. Mm-hmm. So it does, it creates a different person that different MOS is different jobs in the Marine Corps probably be good for. But as far as going and kicking down doors and shooting motherfuckers in their face, it's going to be a problem unless they're one of the very few that were like fucking little psychos in their perfect household. And their mom and dad's like, I don't know what's wrong with Johnny. <laughs> they're fucking burning. Ant- yeah. They're burning ants with fucking the fucking magnifying glass. <laughs> yeah. Like fuck those ants. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. What was your MOS and when you were in the, in the service? So, when I went in, uh, I went in as intelligence, and then I got scooped up by MARSOC, which is Marine Special Operations Command, and then I went to 1st Marine Special Operations Battalion, and I was a uh, signals operator. Isn't it funny that you go in under intelligence? Because they do a battery of fucking tests, dude. I, mm-hmm. That's the one thing I will say that I am very in favor of. I wish they did this more in this country. I wish instead of making everybody read at a certain level and everybody write at a certain level, and, and like you can't ask a goldfish to climb a fucking tree. Right. And as a teacher, I can tell you that I had very, very proficient students and one area of, um, you know, curriculum that they were very proficient over here. They were fucking worthless over here. Mm -hmm. So why not develop that talent? And I think the military does a better job than any, any business, any school, any anything at figuring out what you're good at and giving you that. So you're a bad student in school at, by your own admission. You were not, you, you didn't say you weren't intelligent, but you say you didn't do well in school. I was horrible in school. Right. But then so was I, the only thing I got out of school was the fuck out of there. Yeah. And, but you go into the military and they do these battery tests and they find out that you're set for, that you're good for intelligence. And mm-hmm. that's something that, so you're obviously, you're very aware, you're very cognizant of what's going on. You can learn very fast because that's what you have to do in that, in that space. And you're a very high level learner yeah. because you have to learn technology and you have to understand it and you have to be able to disseminate it to people below you and people above you. Yeah. That's so, amazing. So my focus in intelligence was linguistics. So I went to DLI Monterey and I learned uh, Pashtun and Dari, which is what they speak in Afghanistan. And that's where Marsoc came in and they were looking for people that were in shape that could shoot because we have proficiency tests and everything and shooting and your physical yeah. fitness, everything. So they were looking for somebody that had those, but also had the aptitude to speak the languages. And then they found me. So as, you can speak the dialect. Mm-hmm. Can you still speak it? Oh yeah. That's fucking rad, dude. Yeah. yeah. That is very cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's my posture. And I can still speak pretty fluently because I have a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of people come over from Afghanistan because of everything that's happened in the past year. So they've bedded down in Valrico area for some reason. And I see them in the shops and we'll conversate. And it's pretty cool because it's still there. And they look at me and they're like, what? They the have fuck? to, yeah, you have to fucking yeah. scare the shit yeah, out of them, like, dude. What? This dude's all fucking tattooed and he speaks our language. And you catch this fucking, you catch one or two fucking words that they say and you're like, oh, 
they're speaking Pashtun. Oh, it's a completely different. So Arabic is pretty broad, right? But Pashtun is very small in the southern region of Afghanistan. They speak Pashtun, and then the rest of the country speaks Dari, which is very close to Farsi. So all that region sounds similar, but it's different. And I was trained in both of them so I can speak to them. But unless you're in Afghanistan there's or Iran, there's nobody else around the world that speaks that. So it's a very small language that motherfuckers are like, they're looking at you sideways like, you're somebody. You did something. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, That's kind of cool. That's like kind of, you know, I mean, kind of wielding that, 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 that knowledge without, without having to fucking, you know, no, it's, that. It's, it's very cool. And the biggest thing I like about it is, is that the people from Southern Afghanistan, they're very, they're very charitable. They're very good people. Um, so when they're here, it's cool. Cause I'll, I've gone over to their houses and we've had non, we've had everything just like we had over there. And it brought back some very fond memories. I have a lot of bad memories, but the, it brought back the fond ones of the people of Afghanistan. So it's pretty cool. I like, I still enjoy that. The one thing I took was a shit ton of fucking shrapnel and a language. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, can you, do you mind if I ask you a couple questions about that's your time over there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, so I've never heard anybody articulate it the way you just articulated it. Mm. I either hear people say, you know, they're not, that they're walking around. I feel like um, I'm very critical of the U.S. military and that I feel like they don't do enough for the vets when they come home. That's mm. just my personal opinion. Now, having said that, I'll give you a caveat. My dad died at, um, at the, the uh, James Haley. Mm -hmm. And when he died, <clears throat> his respiratory therapist was a Marine. And I don't think that Steve Jobs, with all of his money, got better care than what my dad did. Mm -hmm. Like, I, 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 I would, would take any level of criticism from anybody on that, that I was there and I saw, you know, if my dad was fighting still, they were fighting next to him. Yeah. You know, it was a different fight, obviously, different tools. Um, but I feel like we bring people back over here and we give them GI bills and tell them to f fucking figure it out. Yeah. And, or we'll give them money every month and we give them Suboxone and Oxycodone and go, listen, just take your money figured out and and i i feel like we send people back home to create broken homes and create you know uh children that don't have parents that can be there mm -hmm. right so to hear you say that you have some fond memories that's that makes me feel a lot better about that that you've you've able you've been able to navigate those waters a little bit i mean you indicated earlier that you had a little bit of a maybe an anger management problem but it sounds like you had that before going into the military yeah it's, just, it's more of a it's more of a, a hairpin trigger that i've had my whole life and then the marine corps it was like exacerbated like no that's a good thing you know because it's life or death you got to make a fucking split decision if i'm upset about something i can't take back think about it how should i assess the situation it's just you can't boom, worry about somebody's feelings right just boom keep it moving fucking move the body out of the way keep rolling so, you know, but it did fuck up a lot of things coming back. You know, you mentioned oxycodone. When I got blown up, they put me on fucking 80 milligrams of oxy for about two years. And I developed a dependency on it, obviously. Mm -hmm. When I got out, they cut it off completely. The VA wouldn't give it to me. So I was actually homeless for about seven months, and I was hooked on fucking heroin. And I lost my kids, lost my fucking family. I was fucking piling heroin down with Jack Dan or Jameson and fucking just, I lost everything. I was literally homeless in a fucking VA homeless shelter. And then some things happened. I met some good people and they pulled me the fuck out of like, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. You know, I, I just, it's fighting fucking demons, man. And luckily with the support system and again, the VA, 
now they have homeless shelters for vets. You know, right. back in the day, I mean, fucking, there was no homeless shelter for vets. They were out on the streets, you know. So it's it's a fucking bittersweet thing and shit that you live with. I still live with shit to this day that I cannot fucking get over. That's actually the main reason why I started working on motorcycles was because it was fucking therapeutic for me. Right. I was like, you know what? I didn't think about getting high. I didn't think about anything else because I would just work on something. And next thing I know, fucking four or five hours, I'm like, God damn, I've been working on this bike for fucking ever. I, I have a hard time. I was talking about this earlier today, right? So, um, I have a hard, I look at, uh, chemical dependency in, in, in a very, um, unknowing way. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not an addictive kind of guy. I can do something and quit and then fucking whatever, you know what I mean? Right. I've never, but I've also been insulated. I've had some tough things, but not tough like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been, I've been in some fights, but not fights for my, I've never fought for my life. I'll be honest and tell you that I've never fought for my life. I've, you know, I've, I've been pretty lucky that way. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I, I just wish that, you know, I'm glad that this conversation got to this point because I want to talk about what you think. What's the one thing or two things or what do we do right and what do we do wrong? As a society, when you're looking at a guy that comes back or a girl oh, okay. that comes back that's yeah. given of themselves because, listen, conscription ended in 1975, right? Yeah. Or in 73. Everybody's, every, you know, and I, and I heard somebody, I have a friend who, well, he's not a friend anymore, but he used to work here and he was a drug addict and he got hooked on it in an, in, in a very honest way, doctor over prescribed, mm-hmm. he can't get off it. He's on suboxone. He can't manage his life. He's lost his kids. The whole deal. Like you talked about, but I was, we were talking about military stuff one time. He's like, he's like, they, no one made them go into the military. Like they, you know, he was as a drug addict, he was looking at it in a, in a very uh, cynical way. Like, you know, he's not getting any help cause he's not in the military. He was not a military guy. Right. So he's like, I need help. I'm, I didn't fucking, I, you know, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask to get run over. He got run over in Orlando mm-hmm. and went, you know, by a lady with no insurance. And it fucked his life up. It ruined his fucking life. Right. He can't talk to his parents. He can't talk to his kids. He can't keep a job. And so I think as a society, we need to, you know, this is the thing where it's like, we need to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. We need to be understanding. What do people not know about that? Like, how can people help? Help as in the fact of, like for drug Under, addicts? No, just understand, like, when someone comes back from... Because we... Listen, man, I happen to feel that we're on the brink of a, a, a pretty sizable fucking conflict in, in Eastern Europe. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to be involved in it. I don't we think there's... Are. Yeah, well, I don't know that. But I'm saying I don't think there's any way for us to fucking deviate from that. I think the cold... The second Cold War is coming. I think we're looking at probably 20 to 30 years of... Because we're not going to... We don't do that. We don't. We don't conquest places properly we go in there we do what we need to do we get out we create a power vacuum like we did in afghanistan mm-hmm. like we did in iraq I, I have a problem with that i really do i don't, I don't like our leadership right now no i, don't I think either. we i think we have piss poor leadership i don't know that the last guy was any better i think the guy before him was probably better than the last two we've had in, in that space and i know right. a lot of people don't like obama but i think he was at least a little bit of a diplomat but I think we're I think we're looking at we need to start thinking about these things. You know, we talk about investments. We talk about somebody comes in and we buy. Oh yeah, I'll buy those cylinders off you. I'll right. buy those one ten. You got a one ten kit? I'll buy it. You know, you and I can rationalize that. We take our money out of our pocket. We put it on the shelf when we're ready to use that. We pull it down. Well, how do we invest in? I don't want my sons to go to to go to war. Right. You know, you're not going to go back to war. I am actually. 
Are you? Yeah, actually, I just picked up a contract in Eastern Europe, so I'll be going within the next four months. I'll be going over to Eastern Europe. I'll be in Romania. Okay. Yeah. So that's fun. Well, I, well, I, I didn't, I didn't mean it in a disparaging thing. No, 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 I, no, I was I, just I going understand. based on what you said. So right. it, we can have a real serious conversation now about like without getting too political to the point where it's like, I don't think that the average Joe Q public and Jane Q public understand. I don't think that I don't think they spend enough time off of this mm-hmm. or they look at it. You know, I've been watching the videos from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. It's fucking horrifying, dude. Yeah. And I don't understand all of it. And I'm trying to right? But how can we understand with someone coming back that has, has, that has seen the things that you have? I mean, you talked about, it. you were homeless. You're not anymore. You know, you're, you're an entrepreneur. You've got a master's degree. You're taking care of, you know, it seems, you know, and for all intents and purposes, you seem like you're taking care of every every little thing that needs to be taken care of, you know? Um, well, we're all trying, right? right? But what do we not know about people that come home? What is the one thing you want to say? Like, hey, here's what you don't understand. You need to understand this. Well, the biggest thing that people need to understand is that the they're not going to tell you what their problems are. They're not going to tell you what their issues are. You are going to see this person that you knew as, let's say his name is Joe. You okay. knew Joe before he went over. He goes over, spends a career in the military. He gets out numerous contract tours, numerous whatever, comes back. Now he's different. And now you think that he's just fucking popping off at you because he's an asshole. Or you think that fucking he's just drinking because he wants to party. Or you think that, you know, that he's just pissed off at the world when it's it's a PTSD is something that comes in all different shapes and forms. And if he's been blown up or shot a couple times, he probably has TB, a traumatic brain injury as well, which then it overlaps all these issues. So the biggest thing is to just have compassion for people that you may not understand it, and it's not for you to understand. It's more so just sit back and think, is, it, is this towards me or is this due to something else? And then talk to said person about maybe reaching out and getting some help, which I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to say, go fuck yourself. Right. And then at that point, it's really going to be on you to be supportive, but unless that person has it in them to realize there's a problem and to realize that they need help or they need to fucking change something in their life, it, it's it, there's nothing that's going to happen. So the biggest thing that you just have to do is remain compassionate and try to extend the helping hand because not everything is geared towards you. Not everything is to- because of X, Y, and Z. It's because of what they've dealt with. Now their brain, their chemistry, literally is wired completely fucking different. Yeah, we're the sum of the, we, we are a sum of the uh, situations that we've been in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> you go out and you ride with your, your buddies and something bad happens. Not real bad. Bike breaks down. Right. Got to get a truck. Rains. You guys are hours away, flat tires, something like that. Right. You remember those times. Mm-hmm. You don't remember the time where you and all three of your buddies got on your bikes, rode over to this place, had a couple of beers, had a burger, went back, uneventful, right? It was a great night. Mm-hmm. You might even text each other, man, that was fucking rad. We had a great time. It was so I can't wait to do it again. You don't remember that. It's remember not story worthy. Yeah, you remember when something bad happened, right? right? So I think that the lesson here for me is don't stop trying to be available. You can't help everybody. Like, mm-hmm. like some people don't want, like, um, whether it be ego or um, 
whatever it is, you don't necessarily want somebody to fucking help you all the time. Sometimes you're broken and you got to fix yourself, but don't stop being available when someone does need you, right? Right. That's the empathy piece where right. you're like, hey, look, man, I think you're going through something. I appreciate you. I love you. Um, I'm going to let you go through it, but I want you to know I'm going to be right over here mm -hmm. if you need me. Is that's, that cool? Is it, can we do that? Yep, that's you know the what I mean? biggest thing. I just actually posted a thing on today about mental health because it's it's a serious issue that not a lot of people talk about. It's taboo. They don't want to talk about mental health. The biggest thing is reaching out. I told people, if you don't suffer with mental health issues, but you know somebody that does, whether it's fucking related to military or related to child, whatever it is, reach out to them. Send them a text message. Just say, hey, man, love you. Hey, bro, yep. are you good? You want to have coffee soon? That one text message or that fucking that phone call could be the difference between them being here today and not tomorrow. Or completely pulling away and, and going in some other direction. I, you know, I, I heard somebody say something. Uh, it was Marlon Wayans was on. Um, you probably know who this guy is, too, because you're from California. Do you know who Big Boy is? Yeah, I see. Yeah, so he was on, he was on his show. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, cool. So he was on his show, and Marlon Wayans was on there, and they were talking about Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Right. Right. And I think a lot of people, like we all did, I'm like, I'm fucking, I wouldn't have stood there with my hands behind my back and let him do it. I I, I don't think he thought it was going to happen. I probably would have at least fucking, you know. Blocked or something. Braced or something. Or something yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but whatever. I think that shows what a nice person Chris, Chris Rock is because he didn't expect it. But he was talking about Marlon Wayans. And Marlon Wayans is like, Will Smith has been perfect mm -hmm. by all measurable metrics for 30 years. Never, never did anything, you know, never got wilding out and fucking with the paparazzi. Not, none of that, you know, done good movies, turned down bad ones, everything. And he says, he goes, Marlon, he goes, he's black and perfect for the last 20 years or 30 years. He goes, I'm black and I, he goes, you got to check on your strong friends, Drew, 100%. too. You know what I mean? Like, you got to check on the these people that are going through things like that you don't understand the pressures of this. Right. And the pressures that you have at trying to get your business to where you want it to be. You have like this vision of where you want, you know, Trigger City to be and you want to get there. And that's pressure. And we have to put ourselves under pressure to do hard things so that they're worthwhile. And so that you delineate yourself out or deviate yourself out from the crowd. Right. Right. It's hard. It is. Hard. And people don't fucking realize working for yourself. What, what gets you up in the morning? What gets me up in the morning is uh, is really approving people wrong. So I'm a new jack, fucking haven't been in the fucking scene, been doing little tinkering shit with bike, but I'm doing this thing now, and I put all my fucking cards in. I put them all in out of nowhere because not because I was like, oh, you know what, I'm gonna be. I watched a show or something. This just because this was the fucking opportunity I saw and I took it. So obviously, I've had a lot of people that are like, oh well, you're too hard or you're too this or you're too fucking blunt or, or you, that's never going to work. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to make it be something that I want it to be because to me, this is my lifeblood. I don't have any other options. I don't have any other routes I can go with my life. Yeah, I still get contracts, for fucking security contracts here and there to go over and fucking shoot people for a couple months. But my lifeblood is in what I'm doing and I take pride in it. So when I wake up in the morning, it's to prove motherfuckers wrong that are like, you know, it'll never work or you're just a trigger puller or whatever. And I'm like, no, guess what? 
I can do this. Oh, I can't watch this. I'll start painting. I'll fucking paint this shit. Bomb. You know, that's what gets me up is the motivation. What's the hardest thing you've ever done and been successful at? <clears throat> um, probably getting the special operations community. That shit was hard as fuck because you have a whole bunch of assessment and selections and that was the hardest thing. So coming from from that background where I got to be with the fucking top tier unit of the Marine Corps to everything else is kind of like, why not me? If he can do it, I can do it. And then you see some people's work that are professionals and you're like, oh, fuck no. Are Watch you, this. Are you referring to when you take somebody's bike apart that it's been somewhere else? Or are you talking still talking military? Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking now I'm talking bike shit. Okay, so yeah. that's the rule here. So we have a couple rules here. You're not allowed to talk shit about other shops. Yeah. It's just, it's not worth it. But everything we do here, I do it so that if it goes to your shop, I want you to go like, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I didn't, okay, I get it. Like, I want it to, when you, when you, because I'll tell you what happened early in my career. <clears throat> you probably never even heard of this guy. So early in my career, I start this bike shop. And I'm going to be honest with you, dude. I told you earlier I was into cars. My dad was always a biker, always into stuff. My dad was a custom motorcycle builder regionally in Detroit when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I'll show you some of his stuff before you leave. And so it was just kind of there. It It was just like, you know, it was what he did. And so I kind of didn't really realize what was going on with it when, when I decided to do this and I was sitting there, I had had a motorcycle for a while and I, it it really brought my dad and I together to where we were best friends. And I was watching TV and I saw Billy Lane with no shirt on and fucking dreads in a cool shop, listening to fucking cool music with a fucking giant wallet chain. It was just the coolest thing I'd ever fucking seen. Right. I was like, that's what this guy does for a fucking living. He's a fucking rock star. And so I was like, well, I can't, I can fucking do that. Like that right. was what my head went. And I was like, well, fuck, why can't I do that? Right. I want to grow my hair long. Right. I want to fucking wear a wallet chain. I don't want to wear a suit anymore to work. I don't want to sell cars. I mean, cause that's what I was doing. Yeah. Because I thought that was what we were supposed to do. Make as much money as you can. I was fucking miserable, dude. I was drinking like, I, it was not good. Yeah. It was just not good. And, um, so you, you get into this space where you're like, oh, this is what I can do for a living. And then you get in, you start trying new things and doing shit and it changes your whole fucking life. Right. Yeah. And then, so I, that wasn't, it was, I didn't think that you could do that. And once I knew you could do it, that was all I wanted to do. Right. It was it. Fucking doing it. Yeah. And I am still doing it. I don't know what level, but (laughs) what the thing, and I I got kind of off track a little bit on that, but it was, trying to get people to understand like this is this is a marathon not a sprint right mm. and um taking people's bike i wanted people i wanted to be good enough to where if somebody took my bike apart they weren't like this motherfucker right right like so wiring I'm, well that's why that's what God. i focused on i oh, focused on wiring really that, yes that's a fucking good for you man. so that was that was the one thing that well when i was drag racing i learned that I looked at people's cars and I was like, what in the 
fuck is going on under the hood or going on under the, the dashboard. So I was like, okay, uh, there was a dude named Mike Wolf. He's dead now. Um, he owned a company called wires and pliers, but he, when all the EFI stuff started with the multi-stage nitrous kits and the turbos and the, and that his wiring was fucking perfect. Yeah. And then there's another guy that I grew up with named little Dale, uh, Dale hunt. Um, he taught me how to, how to wire and how to plumb and how to do things really nice. This dude won the Riddler when he was 15 years old. Do you know what the Riddler is? Mm -mm. So in the car business, in the car deal, the International Show Car Association, ISCA, has the Detroit Autorama. It's been around since like 56 or 54. There was a guy named Don Riddler, and that was the, the, the name of the highest honor you can get. Trey Tepaniers won it a couple times. Chip Foose has won it a couple times. But people build $100,000 cars just to win this car, win this thing. Mm -hmm. And he won it when he was fucking 15, bro the fuck yeah i'll show you the car or something yeah you know he's really good at it so i focused on wiring that was my thing so that's i wire a lot of people's bikes that's, that's one of the things i do is like, i fucking hate wiring i love it really i love it yeah and i'm the psycho I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it's just i picked i did what you said i picked the one thing that nobody wanted to do i was like i'll fucking do that and it scares people like ah and i wire you know i wire people's bikes all the time like and the funny thing is, is like, I've never, dude, I've never, I say I've never put my bikes in bike shows. I don't put my bikes in bike shows. They've been in bike shows, but I don't give a fuck. Right. But some of my friends have won like some very major bike shows and I've wired their bikes. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I like to find one or two things that, you know, other people don't like to do. And that's what I focus on. Dude, wiring, wiring, plumbing. Wiring is killer, dude. Like that's something that, uh, it's, I'm, wow. I like it when people bring me a bike that they, I can't figure it out. It doesn't run anymore. Yeah. I'm like, okay, go in the other room and I fucking pin it all out and figure all that stuff out and find the broken wire halfway through the wiring harness underneath the fucking tank on the road King. Yeah. I love that shit. Really? Yeah. And I'm fucking psycho. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah. So there's different levels of the psycho shit. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. so you're going to go, you're going to go back to, you're going to go to Eastern Europe. You said, yeah, Romania. So I got a email from a good friend of mine. He was like, Hey man, they fucking, we're gearing up. We got a team together. If you want to go over there and do some fucking spook shit. I was like, how much is it? He told me how much it was a day. And I fucking told him I'm in nice, you know? So it's, uh, it's definitely something that's been able to maintain my life. Every time I go through a dip where I can't afford shit, mm -hmm. somebody comes through with some fucking shit in Africa. Or Isn't that funny how that seems to happen to, it happens to me too. Like I'll, you know, like I, I was telling you before, we've been through so many different arcs of, of yes. the way this business is. And, and I will tell you as somebody who's been in this business for almost 20 years that you're going to go through some ebbs and flows, right? And you're going to get your ass kicked once in a while on a bike. That's it's fucking for no reason. You know, what did I fucking do? You know, but is it, it, at my lowest lows, there's always been something's fucking swooped in and been mm -hmm. like, okay, everything's good now. And I think that is because I get up, I've been self-employed since 2003. I don't have an alarm clock. I don't have anybody that wakes me, my dogs wake me up, but no one tells me I have to go to work. Mm -hmm. No one tells me what time I have to go home. No one tells me what time I have to break for lunch. You couldn't give me, there isn't, there's not a dollar figure you could give me to come work for you mm -hmm. like anybody it's it's not possible because i'm my own man and i have to be very careful when i say this but i have a i feel sorry for somebody who 
gets up every day and goes to somebody else's dream. Mm-hmm. Or makes them money. I'm okay with that. I'm not. I'm okay with making somebody money if we know what it is on the front. But when I sold cars, I, I will tell you. So I sold cars from, um, <laughs> I, I got married in 94. I had a kid in 95. And uh, I did what I was supposed to do. Like I went down and got this this job working on a prototype car. So it was Detroit. Mm-hmm. So I go get this job working on a good an adult job. My parents are like, you got to get an adult job. Right. So I go get this adult job where I have a toolbox and I have this little work area and I keep it clean and I work on these prototype Ford motor company cars. And there was opportunities I could have gone into Ford motor company and, and done this, that, and the other thing. Well, I worked for this company called Livernoy Vehicle Development. And um, they were a giant company. And there was a dude that used to come through there once, twice a week. His name was Sam Bianchi. Really nice Italian suit. Really nice Italian shoes. Rolex. Slicked back hair. He would come to everybody. Dude, there was fucking 100 people in the building that I worked in. There were 17 buildings. This Mm -hmm. dude fucking come around. He would come up and go, hey, Ricky, how's it going? You doing good? Need anything? Everything looks good? Hey, your daughter. Samantha, right? Everything's, she's good. She's four now? Yeah. Good. She is she playing? She's playing soccer. Oh, good. Hey, let me know if you need anything. And he would go to the next guy, and he would remember all this shit. And I was like, "Who the fuck is that?" And right. they're like, "Well, that's the vice president of the company." I'm like, "What does he do?" And they're like, "Well, that's that's what he does." Yeah, you yeah, know what I mean? yeah. You're doing right. <clears throat> so, I remember thinking, "I want that guy's job." And I remember people telling me, "You're out of your fucking mind," you know. So I get this. I get this job where I'm, you know, I'm taking home. Three or four hundred bucks a week. I got a wife. I got a kid. I get a better job doing the same thing for another company. And then I realized that I'm not going to move up in this company any further than like mid level because the owner's son in law is the manager. Like there's all this shit. And I'm like, okay. And the dude who was the safety guy was an alcoholic who I had to drive to work. That was my dad's age because he couldn't have a driver's license. He was bitching at me because I wore tennis shoes to work, but this motherfucker doesn't have a fucking a license because right. he's drunk and his hands are all beat up and they're fucking miserable and they're making three or four bucks an hour more than me. And I was like, fuck this. Yeah. Fuck all you motherfuckers. I am not fucking doing this. You can all eat a fucking dick. Yeah. So I'm down here on vacation with my wife and my daughter and my mom and dad. We do this Disney thing. And I go home and I'm like, I don't want to go to this fucking job, but I can't quit. Cause I got a new baby mm-hmm. and I got a house payment and I got a wife and I got all this fucking shit thrown at me. This being hardwired for mediocrity. Like the people American are dream. Yeah. Right. I got my first credit card, like the whole deal. Right. So I end up calling into work and, uh, it took that day off. I go to work the next day and they, and my fucking card's not in the thing where you grab this little credit card that had your name on it. Little puncher. Yeah. Right. And so I, I'm I'm looking for my card, and the guy walks up. He's like, hey, you got a minute? I'm like, yeah. We go in the other room. He's like, you don't work here anymore. I was like, okay, is there anything I can do to get my job back? He's like, no. I'm like, deuces. Right. I'm out. So now I'm free. I had that freedom. I remember what that felt like. There was this freedom. I go home. My wife's like, what are you doing home? I'm like, I got fucking fired. So what are we going to do? We got a baby. We got this. And I'm figure like, it the fuck out. I'm going to figure it the fuck out. Right. Fitfo, right. right? So I get a fucking job uh, selling cars. I thought, fuck, I can sell. So I do that for a couple of years, and I get a, I hit bonus one month. The first time I ever hit bonus, my 
paycheck was twelve thousand seven hundred eighty-seven dollars that month. My take home was seventy-two eighty-seven. Damn. I remember looking at that fucking thing. My take home was seventy-two. This is in nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, they took half your guy, almost half your check, bro. And I'm looking at this thing. I remember sitting in my truck. I had a brand new truck because I had fucking gone all the way down the fucking wormhole, right? right? She had a brand new expedition. I had a brand new F-150. I was fucking rolling in the dough. And I'm looking at this paycheck. First time I heard a bonus, I had 23 cars. I said, it's not fucking worth it. It's not fucking worth it. And that was set, bringing home $7,300 when I was 23 years old right. as a fucking, you know, as an idiot with no fucking education. Right. None. And I knew then that I had to do something else. Yeah. I had to do something else. And so fast forward, um, 2000, I got out of the car business for a minute and I went and worked at general or at uh, Livernoy vehicle development and I had Sam Bayaki's job. So oh, now I'm really? walking around yeah. in the fucking suit. Fucking How you right? doing? How you doing? Yeah. You're good. I did that for a year and I was like, this, I'm not doing this. This is fucking bullshit. Yeah. And, uh, Went back into the car business for about a year and a half, and then I got into this business. And I was working at the dealership. We had the bike shop open. I was working at the dealership. I went in one day, and they're like, uh, hey, you got a minute? I was like, yep. And they're like, you don't work here no more. I was like, fucking right on. Yeah. I went home. Karen's like, what are we going to do? I just bought a $280,000 house. She had a fucking $50,000 fucking, you know, Lincoln fucking SUV deal, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know. We're going to figure it out. Right. <laughs> I started fucking changing oil, motherfucker. Yeah. And now I'm here. Yeah. And, you know, we've moved across the country and stuff. So I, I, I love this part of the, the – one of the things that I love about my audience in this podcast thing is they love hearing stories like yours. They love hearing stories like mine because they're in the thick of it. Mm. Dudes like Chris Rang and his wife, Becca, that own uh, Rang Cycle in Gillette, Wyoming. And, you know, do you know Jeff and Maggie Holt? Have you ever been – I mean, have you gotten into the going to the Sturgis and the Daytonas and all that stuff? No, Sturgis is uh, – I, I probably won't go. Right, um, just won't. Probably it's a won't. it's it's a long ways up there, and there's there's lots. I mean, there's lots of other places you can go to to, yeah, to yeah. kind of experience. No, I like that. I like the I like every other rally um, except for Sturgis, but yeah, I've, I've, I go to them, but I'm very I'm very reserved, and um, you know I like I like looking at what people are doing, but I don't right. get, I don't get too much into it, just because to me I feel like an outsider. You know what I mean? I'm just this dude doing my thing whereas you guys are like completely established in what you're doing so i just kind of like look from afar be like damn that's hot and then i move on don't you think though that that's i mean is that a goal of yours if you're gonna put your are you gonna plant your you're gonna plant your you know put your stake in the fucking moon with the flag and this is where i'm gonna be and this is what trigger city chop shop's gonna be and this is what we're gonna do or is this something that right now is is definitely filling your bucket making you happy you're happy with the work that's coming out or is this something that is, can you see yourself in a situation where you've got employees and oh, tax working for you? And yeah, stuff, so hundred percent. That's uh, that's actually in the works. Um, and eventually down the road, I have a, I have a, I have a vision for it, but it's, it's, it's more so catering to a, a like a small niche demographic throughout the entire motorcycle demographic. Right. You know what I mean? So that's really where I want to stay small, intimate, and just doing shit that fucking we want to do. And then, and that, and it's not in a cocky sense. It's more so just so everybody's fucking happy. Well, you can develop an audience, right? 
I'll give you an, music is a good analogy to use. And I know you're a musician. Right. So, you know, some people like Buck Cherry, mm. some people like Motley Crue, some people go to the Motley Crue show and Buck Cherry open for them and they'll watch that deal. Right. But there's people that, you know, some people like fucking Slayer. Some people like fucking Chris Stapleton. So there's right. got, you know, you have the ability. That's one of the things that's so good about the, the art side of what we do, because yeah. it is an art to some degree mm -hmm. is that you can develop an audience, right? Like the people that, that listen to this podcast or the people that have me build bikes for them, they know what they're going to get. If they're being honest with themselves, they're not going to ask me, like I said earlier, you can't ask a goldfish to climb a tree. So right. they're not going to ask me to do something that I can't do. Like me, my deal is what I like. I'm a hot rod guy. I'll always be a muscle car dude. So when I look at a fucking muscle bike, like that FXR that we're building back there, it's got a fucking hot motor. That's, in it. That's a $15,000 fucking engine. Everything else is really nice. Yeah. But I'm drawing attention to that, and right. all the drive lines going to be that thing's going to be you're you're not going to be able to break that bike mm -hmm. riding it, and that's something that's important to me. I don't want people to break shit, you know, because I didn't do my job, right. because I didn't plan, because I didn't make the necessary allowances for things. So that's the best part about this business. If you want flames, well, there's only one guy to go to flames. You go to Dave Perowitz. Yeah, other people can do it. But if you want the fucking king of flames, you go right. to Dave, you know, motor stuff, you turbos, you're going to go to Nick Trask. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and those are the kinds of things that there's, but here's, here's the best part. There's a place for, for you. There's a place for me. Mm -hmm. We all fit into this fucking thing. It's right. fucking amazing. It is. It's, I, I enjoy it. The more I get to know people, the more I, I meet people, I, I find myself like, I, like I said, I put myself in a corner and I just kind of let the world happen around me. And then if something like meeting you, right, you probably would have never crossed paths in an organic way, but it, it happened. And fucking, I'm excited for it because now I see what you're doing. I, and now I look up to you right now. You're somebody I'm like, you know what? That's a solid motherfucker. When I have a question or if I'm, have if i'm confused on a, which way i'm gonna call you i've broken a lot of shit i can tell you right. I'm, I'm good at that oh yeah me too i've thrown a lot of wrenches too yeah you know and that's to the and the wrenching part of it's difficult you know i mean i liked it i don't like it no more now yeah. I, I got i got a i got a bro coming in who was the master tech down at fucking orlando harley bringing him in because i'm done with it i like painting you know i like to use my self-expression i like to express shit and the fucking, I don't know. I just hate busting my knuckles. I'm over it. You know, but like it's wiring. good that you did it so that somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, it's like I find this all the time. Like, here's what my job is here. My job is, and you don't know this, but five years ago, um, I was in a 1,500 square foot shop by myself. I had had I had a store. I had I used to have two stores. I used to have one on MLK out in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And I had one in Plant City, and I was managing both of them, and I was doing all this shit, and I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't working on motorcycles. I was overseeing this company that worked on motorcycles. Right. And so that a couple things happened, and we decided not to do that anymore, and I downscaled to the point it was just me. I paid the bills. I was the CFO. I was the CEO. I paid the bills. I was the janitor. I cleaned the toilet. Right. I, I did every fucking job here. So now that I have techs, and parts people and you know bookkeepers i have to do i have to be the person when they go hey this isn't working how do i do this so that's my job right as i float around this i end up listen we'll just bring it full circle and then we'll wrap it up because we're at an hour 40 
I'm like Sam Bianchi again. I walk around. Hey, how's it going? You doing all right today? Right. Everything good? What's your daughter's name? Samantha? All right, cool. Can I help you do that? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, that, that's what I end up doing. That's where I'm at. Yeah. That's where I'm at. You earned it, though. Oh, fucking the hard way. It's an earned position. Um, Trigger City uh, Trigger City Chop Shop. You're in Tampa. They can find you. Uh, they can follow you at Trigger City Chop Shop on uh, Instagram, but they can also follow you at Ricky underscore HD, right? Yep, yep. That's what you go by, right? Yep. And so, uh, Marine, once a Marine, always a Marine, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Right? Yeah, man. So, um, I appreciate you coming over and doing this with me tonight. Really, honestly, it's, it's been a fucking charge. So, we'll do this again, too. So, you're leaving. You're going out of town when you yeah, leave? Yeah, hopefully. Um, I, it, Dates are up in the air. It's going to be within the next four months, though. I know that. Cool. Yeah, they'll let me know probably about 24 hours prior. And then. Are you taking paint work in? Yes. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about that before we wrap up. Like, what do, you, where do, people, what do people need to get with you at? How do they do that? What are you, what are you looking to do? What, what's, your, what's your fucking jam? Um, really, you can just go to rickyhd.com. There's a little thing in there where you can hit me up, tell me what you want to do, um, or Instagram. All my in, my contact info is on the website, right on. and then uh, just let me know what you want. And if it's something that that I don't want to, or not that I don't want to do, <laughs> right, but, but then, you know, yeah. I'm, I'll just be honest with you. Yeah. I'm a very honest person. You right know on. what I mean? I like to do things. Uh, I've been doing a lot of paint jobs for some nonprofits, doing some fucking raffle stuff. Right so on. That's been cool. So you know, if it's something that we both agree on, we'll do it. And if not, you know, what I mean, I'm not, I I don't do tribal. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't do tribal. <laughs> don't call Ricky for tribal no, shit. No, no. Find some fucking old school fucking painter over on the on the fucking west side of fucking Florida for that. You know who I'm talking about. Fuck you. Eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So I appreciate you coming out, man. Appreciate it. Awesome.